Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio, featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer. Welcome to Spiritual Insights, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in from the United States and around the world. We are honored that you share your time with us here. Today, we continue our Masterclass Educational Series, Guidance from Spirit, Channeled Messages from Beyond the Veil. My special guest co-host, Danielle Gibbons, joins me each month to share her perspective on the chosen topic and brings Mother Mary through to offer her divine wisdom and grace to the community. Danielle has served as full-body channel for Mother Mary since 1994, allowing Mother, in her distinct voice, to share universal truths and lend guidance for the human journey. Danielle is the author of Mother Mary's Pathway to Love and has connected people worldwide with Mother's love and grace through best-selling courses, life-changing retreats, radio appearances, and online events to inspire individuals to awaken and expand their consciousness. To learn more, visit BelovedPublications.com. Visit SpiritualInsightsRadio.com to subscribe to my periodic newsletter and receive important announcements about the show. And if you would like to explore more of Mother's teachings and other transmissions with the Divine, you can review the audio and video archive I've created there as well. So today, Danielle, Mother, and I will continue the discussion about the impact that the coronavirus pandemic is having on our lives and the future. So let's welcome Danielle back to the show, and we will begin. Welcome back, Danielle. It's great to hear and see you again. Hi, Charlotte. It is great to be here as always. Thank you, my love. How are you doing? And I know you have a retreat coming. How is registration going for your upcoming retreat? It's going really well. Um, we are going to be gathering next month around the autumn equinox. Mother is all of a sudden this year, it's all about solstices and equinoxes. <laughs> so everything's changing. And um, it is... It's going really well. I'm almost full. I have six spots left. Uh, so this retreat is going to focus on balance. It's going to be a personal retreat, but also a retreat where people do service. Uh, we are going to be working towards helping to balance planetary energies. And also, of course, you'd be balancing your personal energies while you're there. And the dates are uh, on the website. It's next month, which would be September 2020. And uh, if you go to belovedpublications.com and click on events, you'll see uh, and scroll down a little bit, you'll, you'll see the information about it. But if you are feeling called to join us, we would absolutely love to have you there. 
that's going to be great. And speaking of solstices, the equinox, there's something coming up, and I want to remind the listeners before it's too late, because uh, Metatron won't be coming on until after this is over, so I won't be able to pick his brain for you. Uh, we have Lionsgate coming. What Lionsgate is, if you're not familiar, is it happens in the month of August each year. It happens on the 8th of August, so it's 8-8 eight, eight in whatever year you're in. And what it is, is it's a portal. What happens with this portal, as it opens up, you will begin to feel energies of ascension, you will feel the new cycle of change. You will feel global awakening. Many of us are sensitive to these vibrations at a deeper level, so there is more awakening coming. There are activations that take place with the energies that are within us to meet that awakening and that expansion and to help you balance and kind of uh, get your equilibrium while we go through all these changes. There is a lot happening. Uh, so uh, on the out, skirts of this what's happening is as that portal opens earth comes into alignment with a star named sirius so that is the technicality of it but the energetics are all that i mentioned with the ascension of these energies so if you would like to work with that definitely break into your toolbox and perform your favorite rituals to bring in new positive transformative energy to release old outdated useless energies anything that's stagnant and no longer serves you uh whatever your favorite rich ritual is for that go ahead and do that on the night of the seventh is the probably the best night to do that but you can do that certainly going in as it waxes in okay so just a quick reminder that Lionsgate is coming on top of the um, energies that are swirling and aren't things certainly interesting right now? So today's topic is doing your part to move forward. So given all that I outlined, all that we're experiencing and witnessing in the United States and also in other parts of the world, uh, the topic is what are we doing? What is our part in order to move forward? What do we need to change? What do we need to keep the same? I'm going to throw it to you, Danielle. What are your suggestions beyond anything we've talked about over the last few months? So here's something interesting that, um, you know, that I'm just reading about this morning, uh, this amazing article. And I had seen, I have seen documentaries on this before, but I was reading about uh, the uh, prison system in Norway and how uh, prisoners are treated. And it's fascinating to me that, now what might, for a lot of us would probably look on the outside and think, oh my God, this looks like a luxury resort. And you know, why are you doing that? But if you, if you break it down into cost and, uh, I'm going to say this word and I always sort of stumble over it, but recidivism, uh, meaning, yes. yeah, how many times they come back to prison. Go back to prison, right. Go, or, or, or go out and commit more crimes. They have an incredibly low rate, 50% less than some of our best um, efforts here in the United States, like 50% better. And the cost, um, it would save the, um, the taxpayer like two and a half times per inmate 
um, even though it's a higher cost to have these types of prisons they have in Norway and the and the and what's available there and and it is a simple premise Charlotte and the reason I'm bringing it up because when you're saying you know what what do we do how do we move forward because obviously we're in a huge period of change there's a lot of momentum not just individually or human collective but globally like mother mother earth is shifting and changing big time and so what do we do the the reason i brought up this particular um, subject is because at the heart of the prison system in norway it's very much about treating people like people rather than rabid animals uh, to lock in cages their guards don't wear uniforms they don't have weapons on them they actually talk to and hang out with prisoners um, because their model is that from day one the prisoners are trying to the the staff is trying to help each prisoner normalize their lives so that when their sentence is over and they become your neighbor right because at some point they're all going to become your neighbor at some point right yes so when they become your neighbor they are adjusted to life they're able to get a job they're able to take care of themselves they're able to be a um a more happy and functioning um person in society uh, and it seems so simple and all of this is based on science psychology sociology criminology all of these amazing uh, people that have studied this for years and years and years and of course the um, the best thing to look at is the results that they're getting and they're getting just phenomenal results as a matter of fact they're getting some of the best results in the world like in the world and this is a high maximum security prisoner a prison with uh, violent criminals murderers rapists you know and these are the same criminals that are that yes chose a chainsaw as their weapon are actually allowed to work with chainsaws to cut down trees and chop wood and because they do their own gardening and farming and right. they do work and uh, they're very invested in the whole process from start to finish they have their own private room with a door that closes no bars no uh, nothing like that and um, it works when you treat people like people and I believe that this is where this is the heart of where we're going where we have to go um, the Black Lives Matter movement I mean it's not as if they're asking for uh, you know the world or the riches or you know whatever they're asking simply to be treated as human beings equal exactly to all other human beings right so 
when you see it play out in in a in a place like a prison system it's fascinating and the inmates are required if they have problems with each other they have to sit down and talk it out and they're not allowed to leave until they shake hands like just simple basic things and of course i'm simplifying it because I, i'm not a criminologist or, or a psychologist and i i have not studied this in depth this is a really, really long, very in-depth article. Sure. And sadly, what the way we, our prison system, prison system and way of policing got to where it was, was based on just a few people, a few men who wrote books, uh, Harvard University professor, you know, people like that, who had their own personal belief that um, human nature can't be changed. You know, some people are just bad apples and you just have to lock them up and throw away the key. And, you know, there's this whole understanding that redemption is not possible, right? right. That inner change is, is not possible. People, mm -hmm. you know, we're not capable of it. And so we've built an entire system that does not work, that is ridiculously expensive, that ruins lives. And it's all based on just a few people and their opinion. And we actually had a whole panel. Lyndon B. Johnson created a whole panel on criminologists who wrote this incredible report and they described needing the same thing. I mean, exactly the same thing as what was going on in, in Norway now. And we actually started some experimental prisons to enact this stuff back in the late 60s, early 70s. And it got immediate results. Wow. Immediate results. But the people who want to stay entrenched in their ideas of division and superiority and inferiority mm -hmm. and that sort of that those opinions that are just locked in cement for them yes i think that's that's what's changing i think that's what we can do every day is keep questioning our own opinions and judgments and ask you know where Am I locked in? Like as I'm reading this article and I've seen these documentaries on these prisons before, there is that part of me that's like, no way, no way. They must have like just, I don't know, people that do breaking and entering or con people in those kind of prisons. Those can't really be murderers, right? Those can't really be the tattoo covered, you know, gang related. It can't be those people, but it is those people. Mm -hmm. Those are the people in that prison that are getting, that are changing their lives. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I think that we all have to make room seriously, not just on an intellectual level, but we seriously have to make room for things to be different, radically different. Yes. And to treat each other no matter who they are or what they've done, 
to yeah. treat people as human beings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In my education throughout the years, you know, what I've learned is that um, people who commit these crimes, some of them may be hardwired to certain things like selfishness, you know, violence, some kind of mental incapacity, but they're not born that way in most cases. Behavior like that is conditioned. It's a reaction to your environment. It's a reaction to the way you were treated as a child in your development years and it snowballs. And then at some point it's about that person making the choice. So, this is for the diehard A Course in Miracles people. It's really not what they did. It's about the thoughts leading up to what they did, where they, yeah. where they gave up and let oh. go of any kind of hope or uh, self-identity that is in alignment with the divine. I don't have a choice. There's nowhere else to go. Where did that dark hole come from? And that's the crucial mm -hmm. moment before a crime like that is committed. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And to have the space to unravel that, you know, in a safe environment uh, where you can't leave. I mean, you are confined to a particular environment, but there's enough support and there's enough respect uh, that you can begin to unravel those habits, those thought patterns, those uh, mindsets in a way that uh, can bring about profound change. Yes. And I would add that they probably have a much more efficient and um, balanced way to handle this financially and logistically, because to your point, what is expensive for one is lucrative for another. So in this country, Very bringing true. it back to the United States, it's a business. Everything's yeah. a business here. Everything's transactional. Prison is a business. Cancer is a business. Healthcare, it's all about business. It's all about who's, who's getting the money. It's not about what the purpose of these things are. Rehabilitation on a psychological, criminal, or health level. You know, they're really not focusing on this. And so the questions that went along with the topic, you know, how to move things forward, the things that we're looking at right now is what lifestyle changes are needed for all of us, you know, and uh, the necessity to shut society down again so that we can go inward again and do some soul searching. Yeah. This on the outside looks like this has to happen because we opened up too early. Everybody got complacent and said, oh, I think it's safe. Besides, I'm bored. Let's open up. Right. And besides, we're losing money. Let's open up. We can't shut down. The economy will collapse. Not if you do it right. Not if everybody does their part. The other thing is um, how everything falls into place when we all do our part. How do we make that happen? And so your point with the, with the Norwegian prison is perfectly um, symmetrical with What's happening here with prison reform, police reform, something's got to give. Everybody has been conditioned to believe right. they are superior and more powerful than everyone else. And that's what's getting everybody into trouble. 
Some yes. are tired of being threatened that their power will be taken away, and the others are tired of being threatened by that power and that authority because it yes. goes beyond the bounds of that authority. It goes beyond human dignity to, as with Mr. Floyd, I want you to sit still. He didn't. So we killed him. So he put his neck, his knee on his neck and he killed the guy. And so callously, but this is, I guess, this spiral, I want to say a spiral motion of this is where the movement started. It, we saw some progress. We saw some real progress and now it's coming back down and around for a review is what it feels like to me. There does feel a little bit less tension, but the tension is still there as a steady undercurrent for me. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, these are the things that I, I think this country's been, uh, we're, of course, uh, you and I are living in the United States, um, but this is one of the things that our country has been grappling with from the very beginning, you know, how do you give equal voice to all the people? How do you avoid tyranny? Because, I, I, you know, I mean, that's ultimately what the sort of premise we were founded on is equality, right? Even though, of course, they use the word men, all men are created equal, but sure. you get the idea, you know, mm -hmm. that was the best they could do at the time. Um, but mankind, I like to take that as mankind. Yeah, or human. Uh, Humankind. You know, all yeah. humans are created equal, and that is the premise on which we were founded. So you know, for hundreds of years, at least in this country, we've been trying to figure that out. You know, we've been trying to come to what does that mean, and how do you actually practice that? How do you look at and treat all human beings as equal to yourself, uh, no matter what the circumstances, whether it's prison or policing or uh, church service or community food bank or, you know, the gala at the museum or the homeless shelter, you know, how do you navigate that? And I think that for me, what I've noticed throughout our history is that we have to, we have to have certain events that sort of jolt us out of our complacency and mm -hmm. our apathy in order for us to revisit this and say, okay, Obviously, we do not have that yet. We're still striving for that. So how can we contribute to the solution rather than continuing to be part of the problem? And I think for me personally, um, I have to look to my opinions and my judgments. Those are the two things about me that... I tend to get um, in trouble with, you know, they tend to be the things that inadvertently or unconsciously I have set in stone. And it's like, well, this is just what I believe, you know, this is what I believe is right. And then I find myself starting to defend it or getting a little wound up about it. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, yeah. Get caught know, up. 
Yeah. And then you think, oh gosh, here I am on my soapbox again. I didn't realize I'd climbed up here yet again. So it's that sort of self-righteous kind of uh, energy with, you know, along that I add to my opinions and my judgments. So I think that we are in a state of collapse with judgments. Okay. It feels to me that judgments are not going to work uh, anymore in our society, not just the U.S., but globally. I'm with you on that. I want to bring two ideas together here because of how beautifully you said that. So with the collapse of the judgments, that's one aspect of that transformational process, that logical progression. So if judgments right. are to collapse, what does that look and feel like? How do you get it, how do you get it to teeter so that it becomes unsustainable and collapses? So earlier you mentioned that um, with the Black Lives Matter movement that people are only asking for, you know, equality. Yeah. A lot of people feel that what they're asking for is uh, riches, reparations in some form that will put them economically in a position that's more powerful than the one who fears it right? The African-American community, and I will say the, the African community in all countries, because now I understand that even people in London and, and England are protesting because they're experiencing it too. So I want people of color everywhere, no matter what country or nationality you claim as your home. These people are not asking for riches. They're not asking for revenge. And that's what yeah. people are afraid of. What they're asking for is equality and respect, not to supersede anybody else, but to be equal alongside you and have the same that's opportunities right. and the same freedom to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. That's all they're asking for. Nobody's asking for special favors. I think a few should be granted, such as free college, but I think that should be uh, introduced first and then an, an even more universal thing. However, I want to link that to my original statement that um, that's going to scare a lot of people because they're going to feel that what's being asked of is give us your power, not make mm -hmm. us equal in the light that you stand in, but give us what you have. And so they're going to be afraid of that loss of power. So when it comes to superiority and supremacy, these are both based in fear and someone in that position, whether it's, a police officer, a judge, a politician, um, a wealthy person. A person wouldn't seek equality for other people if the threat of loss of power is president, present. So, hmm, Freudian slip. So if that person's so afraid, this person's so hungry to get up here, but that's so afraid that it's going to look like this, they're going to fight that tooth and nail. So something has to happen to take, to take the, the stability out of that structure to make it teeter and make it fall. So that will be interesting to watch that happen. But I'm with you on that, the breaking down of judgments. And you're right, Charlotte. We do have to give up some of our power. 
Mm -hmm. That's how it works. You know, if you, if we've been, if a certain group of people have been hoarding power for a long time, then by definition, in order to create equality, you have to give up some of that. And it is scary, particularly for people who, even though they do have a lot more power than they think they have, they still feel powerless or they don't feel like they have enough. That's why they hoard it. That's why right. they're afraid of losing it. That's right. And uh -huh. but the, the beauty is that when you, when you start to believe in terms of sharing power, Yes. You know, Mother uses that word all the time. She's like, just think of everything in terms of sharing, sharing resources, sharing power, sharing ideas, sharing love, sharing light, right? Just sharing. Just let it all be about sharing. Then all of a sudden, I, I, I don't feel that... Um, that, oh my gosh, something's being taken from me. I better hang on to it. I gotta, you know, there's, there's really just a, a recognition that I have more than enough to give. And that every time I share my power, you know, more power is given to me, not to hoard, exactly. but to share. But you know, that's the trick, mm -hmm. is when you allow that circle of giving and receiving to be never ending then you don't have to hang on to anything because there's no end to it exactly it's all circular that's the first rule of energy yeah. energy is circular what you extend it's you receive so right. there there is no need for fear of loss or for fear of of being overpowered because I think when someone feel, if someone is begging and has been for 400 years, if someone is just begging for equality, I don't feel that when you give equality to that person, they would pull up after a journey like that and say, thanks. And now I want something more. I don't think there would be that sinister quality of greed in something that's so pure it would have to be in the with the individual who is uh rattled by the most fear yeah you know what i mean it's never enough sure. it's never enough power or money uh or yes and there'll always be people like that you know regardless of, of there will uh, you know of skin color and religion or culture or where, how they were born, you know, there will just always be people who, who feel driven to hoard power, um, collect it, hoard it, uh, you know, dole it out in the way they see fit. I mean, that, that's, that's a, a part of the minority of, of humans and that's yes. how they express their pain. I want you know? to... I want to throw out two words with, with respect to hoarding power and collecting it, uh, keeping it to yourself, and how, like you just said, how you dole that out. So with the mindset of that percentage of the collective who is begging for equality, who deserves that dignity, 
to be restored in that human condition. What they have to do in a large part is yield. They have to yield a lot of uh, complacency, fear, um, giving away their personal power. They need to reclaim that. So there's a yielding to certain things in their consciousness to allow for more, right? With the people Absolutely. who hoard power, a lot of, I think, the mindset is not only in that collection of that power, in that uh, d taking a daily um, inventory of that power. How am I powerful? In what ways? What made me powerful? Me. And it's, it's very uh, intensely ego-driven. But I, what struck me as you were beginning to say that was wield how they wield that power and get to mm -hmm. see how people respond to that in terms of cowering. Yeah. I, I, I want to give, I have to mention this again. I don't know if I, how many times I said it or if I said it at all. When you go to the airport, it's one thing to be required to take off your shoes, but there's an energy about that, that to me, there's an irritation to it. What gets me really is when you step into the x-ray booth. Okay, now we're, we're getting x-rayed. Uh, it used to be you just walk through and everybody's like, great, get your shoes, be on your way, have a nice flight. Not anymore. Now you step into a new and enhanced booth, put your feet on the little feet placards, and then you raise your arms as though you're a criminal against the inside of the cylinder, and you assume some kind of position that you are less than. And this hits me so hard, and I can't find the words or the energetic combination to say, I'm not doing that because I don't want to start trouble. But it feels to me like it's this subliminal messaging of you are weak, we are strong, we are in control, you are not. And that's what I get out of in 20 years since 9-11. It's not enough that we're taking off our shoes. Now you have to assume the position like you're a criminal, and it does something to the mind. And so these people wield their power in such a way to, and then do an instantaneous uh, evaluation on how that other person accepted that power. And if they succumb to it or if they rebelled against it, in which case you get this kind of beat down energy. So we're seeing a whole soup of this going on. It's crazy. So, so moving forward, jumping ahead, moving forward. And what can we possibly do different than what we've been doing with conscious presence, compassion, uh, washing our hands, hygiene, distancing, soul searching, uh, service? Many, many new ways of, of uh, being of service are coming to the forefront. It's beautiful. There's a lot of humor coming, but there's also a lot of um, grappling with, mm -hmm. and it's right in front of our eyes with people trying to hang on to power. And nobody wants to really defund the police, but we wanna reform it so that it is a, an institution, not a brotherhood, but an institution that truly does serve and protect us and not wield that power over us. Well, here's a really good example about you know, judgments and opinions, but just the word defund, you know, like for me, I'm a, I'm a big advocate of defunding the police. Okay. Uh, sure. Because um, it's really just, 
uh, resource allocate reallocation. That's okay. All. It doesn't I mean see. that it doesn't mean that uh, police officers will get paid any less or have any less benefits. As a matter of fact, the whole point is to hopefully make it easier and better for police officers to do the job that they're actually hired for, and then have other people um, do jobs that police should have never, ever, ever had to take on. I'm with you like on that. We have put, we have put, this is another way of seeing both uh, the victim and the perpetrator as human beings, right? So we have placed on the police enormous responsibilities that they are number one, not even remotely trained for, uh, number two, not qualified for, uh, number three, uh, should never have uh, been placed on them because uh, it's not a successful model. But every time there's a budget cut, we just say, oh, well, we'll just put that on the police. Well, the police will just pick up the slack. They'll just do more. They'll just do more and more and more and more and more. And so defunding the police actually uh, reallocates financial resources to where they should have been for all these years. Okay. Uh, mental health workers um, answer mental health calls instead yes. of police. Yes, uh, not to I see. 911 to have different, to alert different agencies depending on what's going on. Right. Um, things like that. So it just, again, it, it's sort of a common sense approach. Like if, if someone is mentally ill or having an emergency, you don't need someone with a badge and a gun. No. You need a mental health worker, you know, someone who's trained and qualified to work with that person, or at least a mental health person uh, uh, worker to show up with the police officer, you know, so. For safety, it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, so there's a, there's a whole wide range of things that, it's not as if we have to reinvent the wheel, it's, it's literally, we just have to take back all the stuff we've been piling on the police department for decades mm -hmm. that they have no business dealing with, you know? Yeah, in order so, to qualify just to be a police officer, you would need a PhD in general studies. That's exactly right. And that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And, and so we, our expectations, here we go back to judgments and opinions, our expectations are so high that police should just know how to do all this, but we're not willing to, we're certainly not willing to get them their PhD so that they could be qualified to do all this. Right. You know, we just magically, I think a big thing we can do moving forward, and, and I, I admit fully that I suffer from magical thinking. Okay. Like I just magically think that the police should be able to do all this stuff. Okay. And they should uh, just know how to handle someone who's mentally ill, uh, someone who is, um, has a serious personality disorder, but they should just know how to handle that when they show up. Um, and that's just magical thinking. There's, there's absolutely no basis of fact in it. There's no education behind it. No. It's a, it's a kind of sure ignorance that I suffer from. Okay. And, and so I think we all suffer from this kind of magical 
thinking. So to me, I think everything you just named about moving forward is so important. But to add to that list is to getting out of complacency, apathy, and magical thinking. And really start to step back and look at the structures we've created. Uh, we're just talking about, you know, the policing system and prisons, but there's just, you know, endless, the banking oh. structure. The, oh, well, I mean, there's just endless structures that we put in place, which is great because we want structures. They work, you know, they, they tend to help uh, you navigate your life. But are those structures working? I just like to magically think that they are because I don't want to be bothered. <laughs> I want to stay I in yeah. my apathy and complacency. But if we start to question, are these structures working? And if I don't feel they are working, then I take my business somewhere else. I go to another structure or I sit in on a city council meeting and find out how is our town, how is our city policing our citizens or the housing, uh, you know, the housing situation, what's going on with the mm -hmm. housing situation, you know, things, structures that we just take for granted and we just think, oh, somebody else is going to deal with them and they will. But then that's how we keep giving away our power. We just keep giving it away and giving it away. Um, and I believe that that is one of the most powerful things we can do at this point is to stop giving our, our power away and just be curious. You know, just ask questions, do some research. Use your voice. Open Use up. Use your voice. What, Absolutely. What always confounds me, when, especially when it's put in my face, such as, and I'll make this brief, there's a lot of hungry children in this country. There are a lot of homeless people in this country. There are a lot of veterans on the street in this country, and none of these scenarios should be. It needn't right. be. This is not to get into shoulds. It needn't be because That's I know now with this pandemic, that we've had the resources all along to address it. All of a sudden, trillions of dollars were available and I was back against the wall like, what? All these homeless people, veterans going uncared for? Walking the streets, jabbering because they have a mental illness? One in my neighborhood killed two police officers? So what they do, they put him in jail for the rest of his life or whatever he got. And my first... I get a little snarky when I'm talking to the television set. If you had taken better care of that veteran, this would not have happened. That's right. It's logical. But this seemingly blind governance, that all of this is present in our country, in most of our states, and in many of our cities. And it's like the government pretends not to know about it. That's right. We need more money for military. We need money for this. Let's move the FBI building. That seems like a fun project. Right. There are kids going hungry at night. Yeah. There shouldn't be one. And I'll just leave it at there. Mm -mm -mm. 
I don't want to run out of time. Would you like to bring, did you want to follow up on that and then bring mother through? Did no, you want to respond? Let's bring mother through. Let's see what, uh, okay. what she has for us today. <clears throat> Hold on just a second. All right. Talk about shutting society down. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, beloved ones. It is wonderful to be here with you today, beloved, and all your wonderful listeners. Thank you for being here, Mother. You are welcome. most welcome. Mm -hmm. So let's dive into this lovely stew that you all created with these wonderful questions and thoughts and uh, things to look at and contemplate, meditate and consider. Okay. But I want to hone in on the one point that you all were making again and again and again. And this is the point of treating others as human beings. And we've talked a lot recently about equality, treating others equally, not superior, not inferior. But now we look a little deeper. Let's take that meaning of equality and go a little deeper. What does that mean, right? Mm -hmm. So if you change the word of equality to human, so, if you treated everyone as a human being, right? Human being, compound word that when uh, these two words are put together, create a sort of new word with a bigger or more expanded meaning. So you have your human self, what you think of as your physical body, your emotional body, your mental body. And then you have your being, which is your human, but also includes your spirit. 
your whole spirit, your big energy field, the soul that resides within the body, the spirit that surrounds the body, and also your consciousness that can access other existences, right? That can lift you out of the human moment and connect you to something much, much greater. So as a human, you all have separate lives, right? Mm -hmm. Unless you are a Siamese twin, you are not conjoined at the hip, right? right? So you have that in the human realm, you have that separateness. But the being part of you is one, is completely connected to the collective human experience and the collective consciousness and uh, the collective life, the ecosystem, right? all of nature. So when you put human and being together, it creates a much larger, expanded view of the individual. And it's also sort of a verb, right? The human is being, right? So it's kind of an action verb, human being. If you stretch with me a little bit, right? So if you look at and accept and treat others, including yourself, as human beings, that changes everything. Everything. Why? Because it is unless you are born with the condition, certain mental conditions, right? sociopath, psychopath, uh, severe psychosis, unless you are one of those minorities, for the rest of you, when you look at another human being, what you are doing is you are looking beyond the clothing, beyond the state of hygiene of the body, of the physical body. You are looking beyond education. You are looking beyond um, job or career. You are looking beyond religion. And what you see after you sort of peel all those layers away is just a human being. It's easy to feel the equality. It's easy to feel the common ground. Because if you all just stood before each other naked, outside in a field, right? No one knew each other's name or how much money they made or what kind of car they drove or how much education they had 
or how much political power they wielded. You are just all naked out in a field. And you are asked just to look, not to speak, not to ask, not to demand, just to look. A lot of human beings, right? So it is this way that I'm asking you all to go through your days. Strip it all down to its most basic elements. See the child within each individual. See them, accept them, relate to them as a human being. Because when these structures you have created start collapsing so that they can be refined, so that they can be changed, when these change, you will want to recreate them as human beings. Mm. And can you just take a moment to feel how different that feels? So if you were to decide after standing in that field naked, and just being with these other human beings, looking, accepting, seeing, feeling them. And then you started to slowly explore and discuss and put forth ideas about creating these structures anew. Imagine how different they would be. Because they would not be based on some imaginary idea of power and wealth and superiority. These are all just human constructs. They really, once you, as the popular saying goes, when you die, you cannot take it with you, right? right. So it all ends with your death. Any kind of imagined power or wealth or anything that you strive to accumulate, thinking that that's what's going to be it for you. You have to leave it all behind. You don't take any of it with you. So you can stay mired in the finite or you can let go of the finite and start to embrace the infinite. You will always need structures as human beings to help you navigate your lives. So what about creating structures that take into account at the beginning 
that all are created equally. That you are here to serve and to be served. So if the structure doesn't serve, share your ideas, share your time, share your heart. Someone thought up most structures that you work with today. Why not you? Get together with friends for fun. Have dinner together or sit outside in a circle and just start with human beings and ask if some of these human beings were hurting so badly that they needed to commit violence to other human beings. How could we treat them so that they would at least be given the chance to know that they are human beings, equally deserving of love, kindness, opportunity, and joy? And just talk about it. And if you think, well, what would we do with those ideas? You are putting them into the collective consciousness. You are human beings. All your thoughts and words go into the consciousness. So why not talk about Okay, if this structure isn't working, if it were up to us, this group of five friends, how would we treat other human beings who had lost their way, who had forgotten that they were human beings? How could we remind them and just give them enough space for them to rediscover themselves hmm? yes so i will keep it very short today because this is a wonderful series beloved because that's what you're doing right here right now you are opening the conversation you are inviting in curiosity you are involving your listener to say, there's a better way. And that way is love, always love. Because love will always tell you to treat others as human beings. To treat animals as honored companions within the ecosystem. To treat the earth, the planet, as a sacred home. That is what love will always tell you to do, no matter what anyone has done or said, 
not done or not said. Mm. Mm. There is no them, beloved ones. There is only we. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love you all. Be kind to yourselves. And remember, if you treat yourself as a human being, you are much more likely to see others as human beings. Thank you, beloved Charlotte, for inviting me here today and each month. My honor. Thank you, Mother. Namaste. Namaste. Hey. Hi. Exquisite. No, <laughs> because the, the big question was, what do you do going forward? And I think you and I are so saturated in what we're doing now and trying to keep that momentum going so we don't get sick. That it's like, how do you stretch beyond that boundary to say, okay, what else can I do? And that's it. Talk about it. That's the answer. Yeah. Talk about yeah. it. It's yeah. It was Bounce so, it around. It was, That's it. That's your answer, folks. Yeah. Talk about the solution rather than always about the problem. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. What do you do? What do you got? Bring it to the table. Yeah. Oh, okay. We might laugh at you, but bring it to the table. <laughs> yeah. And let's talk about it. But the most important underscore there is everything you talk about goes into the collective as yes. an attempt to reconcile with prejudices and challenges and to accept yourself and consider the other and move forward equally. It's yes. genius. Love it. It is. Love it. Mm -hmm. And I guess we'll have a wonderful opportunity to do this. No one will be left behind because we're shutting down again as a society. Yay. Thanks everyone. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Not that that affects me too terribly. However, there are people suffering out there, and my heart and my prayers go out to them. Uh, it was bad enough. These ebbs, flows, highs and lows, government shutdown, recuperating from that, things get a little better, and then blam, your legs are kicked right out from under you again, and I feel for everybody who's going through that. And me as well. Uh, my really my prayers are out to everyone every day. Um, but I, all I can say is for those of you that have been affected so deeply by this, thank you for your service. I just, mm. I feel that, you know, you are 
one of the people that are helping wake us all up to what's really going on. Um, and sadly, things have to get really bad, at least in this country, before we're willing to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. And so if you're one of those people that have been hit hard, thank you. Your service is invaluable. And I hope that we, as a, this country, can get it together enough to make it, um, to not be in vain, so. I just had an idea, a flash, if you would. The, the, the form it took was somebody saying, what am I going to do? I'm so scared. And our tendency is to retreat, to disconnect and yes. retreat and withdraw from the problem, from the situation, feeling that the solution isn't out there. So it was kind of like a, you know, no, I, I know I've thought this before, but I don't know if I expressed it. So I'm going to say it very plainly right here. So if any of you are in that position where you're uh, pulling your hair out, wondering how you're going to deal with childcare, uh, making money, um, getting back to work. Is your company closing down? Okay, it just seems like a lot of endings, a lot of doors closing. Okay, so to get those windows to open, you have to be very expansive, very open, curious, and connected to the divine. So here's my suggestion. If you are in that horrible position of that frantic despair, I would recommend that you go out and volunteer. Walk your neighborhood if you have to and just ask the universe, send me an opportunity. I'm just going to go for a walk or listen if you can't hear your guidance. Do random things. But volunteer as a way to connect, to plug in to the divine, and to network with those individuals who might already be connected with other resources that you might need. So don't retreat. Go out, expand, and just say, here's what I have to offer. See what other people have to offer. And then you can introduce, I also have this challenge or this need or this fear. How can That's we a, solve this? That is Connect. such a great idea. Plug in. And uh, there are apps. You can get free apps in the App Store that are uh, neighborhood apps. I have one on my phone that is about, that is just my geographic neighborhood. And people put all the time, hey, I'm available to give rides. If you need a ride somewhere, do you need, uh, do you, does anybody need groceries? Or I'm a dog walker. Uh, you know, so it's a place where people, you know, kids can say, hey, I rake leaves, I babysit, or it's I do odd jobs, or it's does anybody need help? So these apps are fantastic. And you'd be surprised there's a lot of people on these apps. Okay. And, so you can reach out and ask if anybody in your immediate neighborhood needs help. And I'm sure you will get some answers. Okay. Well, thank you for that. So what I'll do is I have uh, Wendy and Metatron coming on next. Then I have Divine Mother. So in the time in between, I'll research these apps that you speak of. And hopefully by that time, I can announce a few and encourage people to get on there. I always envisioned... And you always have to push it in the back of your mind because of the busyness of life. But I always envisioned and wished for a way or a time where we could go back to the sort of Amish community lifestyle where so-and-so uh, needs their living room painted. Okay, well, my husband's a painter. Right. No questions asked. You need your living room or your porch painted? Here we are. Slap some paint on it. You're done in less than a day. And then, oh, well, I have a plumbing problem. Well, so-and-so around the corner is a plumber. 
This one's an electrician. And then you pool your resources, the dog walker, the odd jobs person, the person who loves to grocery shop when the rest of us can't stand it, you know, walking <laughs> up and down aisles. And I spend more time looking at labels than I do actually selecting items. You know what I mean? Right. So I take a long time to do a short thing. So pool your resources, human resource. Oh, it would be like a neighborhood human resources department. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I love hey. it. I love it. <laughs> I think I'm on to something. Creative juices are flowing. <laughs> neighborhood human resources department. By the time you come back, Danielle, I will have probably something in place with full marketing and <laughs> program, <laughs> full plan. <laughs> and in pursuit that's great this it. this was great <laughs> well to the listeners i want to thank you once again for tuning in remember to visit belovedpublications.com to learn more about danielle mother mary their upcoming events to join the beloved publications community and uh, spiritualinsightsradio.com is where the archives live i look forward to future announcements obviously everyone you've heard us mentioning divine mother and divine mother has joined the team she has recorded at least two segments to share her divine wisdom. They are phenomenal if you haven't heard it. So that's why I encourage people to sign up for the newsletter. Divine Mother is exquisite. So thank you once again, Danielle. Beautiful to thank see you. Thank you, Charlotte. Lovely to see you. And I'll see you soon. Okay. All right, everyone. That's our show for today. Until next time, God bless and be at peace.